Welcome to the StarNet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. Illinois StarNet envisions a future where early childhood professionals and families have the supports needed to provide all children with a high-quality, equitable education in inclusive environments. StarNet's mission is to promote evidence-based inclusive practices for young children with disabilities, professional development to support educators and families, meaningful child outcomes through innovative and engaging learning experiences. To find out more about StarNet Regions 1 and 3, please visit starnet.org home. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Bridget Meese, and here with me is Cecilia Mintz. We are Early Childhood Special Education Professional Development Specialists with StarNet Regions 1 and 3. We are here today with Kirsten Munson and Joanna Pushluk-Shimmick to discuss a few of the lesser-known senses that can impact children's development or behavior in a three-part podcast series. We will discuss interoception, the vestibular system, and the proprioceptive system. Joanna, please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background working with children, professionals, and families. My name is Joanna Pashluk-Shimmick. Um, I am an occupational therapist at Chicago Pediatric Therapy and Wellness Center, um, where I've been working there for about six years. Um, I went to school in Chicago at the University of Illinois at Chicago, um, and I have been working in pediatrics since I graduated. Um, I've worked with children in early intervention, so birth to three, I um, currently work at an outpatient pediatric clinic, um, seeing kids basically from babies through teenagers um, with a wide variety of challenges and diagnoses, um, and then have also um, collaborated with some teachers in schools, and I've gone into some school settings as well, and I've also run some groups um, and most of the children I see are kind of that preschool, early elementary age, but I have seen babies all the way up through adult or through teenagers. Um, and um, a lot of my population are kiddos that have sensory processing needs. Um, and I've also taken some more courses in sensory processing. Okay, I will introduce myself. My name is Kirsten Amundsen. I am an occupational therapist at Chicago Pediatric Therapy and Wellness Center. I have been at this position for about two and a half years, um, but prior to this position, um, I was at another outpatient clinic, and I have also worked in a therapeutic day school and early intervention. Um, similar to Joanna, I also have run some groups. Um, I've been doing pediatrics since I graduated as well. I went to the University of St. Louis um, in Missouri, where I got my bachelor's and my master's in occupational therapy. Um, I primarily work with kids about two to seven, I would say, are my primary age groups right now. Um, although I do work with children birth through, um, I would say, 18 um, very similar to Joanna, I have a lot of kiddos with sensory processing differences, um, different diagnoses like autism, ADHD, and more. Um, and that is my primary population I've been working with right now. Before we begin, we want to remind everyone about the importance of consulting with an occupational therapist when implementing some of these strategies. Can you explain the importance of this for our audience? Yeah, I think we want to 
recruit an OT or consult with an OT to make sure that we're, um, you know, they have the specialized training to monitor for those desired effects that we're looking for. And we want to make sure that we're not going in the opposite direction, that we're really getting the desired outcomes that we're looking for. Um, and just ensuring that everything is put into place with safety in mind, um, especially if a child has certain conditions or diagnoses, and just ensuring that we are being safe with all of our practices we're putting into place for our children. The sense we are going to discuss in this third and final podcast of the series is the proprioceptive system. We will talk about what it is, what to look for in children, and what strategies can be used to support the development of this sense. Let's start out by talking about what is the proprioceptive system. Proprioception is our body's kind of internal sense of where we are as we move through space. So when you're walking and moving, you don't need to stop and think, I'm moving my arm or this is where my leg is. It's just kind of all things that are happening on their own because you know where your body is as you're moving through space. All right, so this um, system is located in our muscles and our joints, um, and it's responsible for the sense of where our body is in space. It detects and controls like force and pressure. Um, it can also be calming or alerting, just like our vestibular system. So as we're walking around, we don't have to like stop and think like, I need to put my hand on the table to, um, to pull out the chair. I, you know, you're just having that internal sense of knowing where your body is as you're moving through space. Um, and just kind of adding on here, our proprioceptive system and our vestibular systems are very closely linked and almost basically always working together as all of our sensory systems are, but these two in particular are really powerfully working together, um, just kind of thinking about a, an example with our kids um, going up a ladder and going down the slide, right? So as we're going up the ladder, um, we have to know where our hand is to be able to put that on the ladder and then where our foot is. We also have to be able to know where our, our body, our head is and being able to tolerate that movement of looking up to the next ladder run, looking down. Um, and then once you get to the top of that ladder, right, you're gonna go down the slide. So now you have to know I'm safe. I can keep my body in that upright position. I can keep my balance on the slide our, using our vestibular system and also keep my body upright as I'm going down the slide. So those systems are just very closely linked and kind of constantly working together as we move through different spaces. That's good to know that they work together. And, and even though we're looking at them um, through this podcast series in isolation to keep in mind that really they, they feed off of each other and, and children need to develop both. Yes, absolutely. So what does this look like then for infants, toddlers, preschoolers, and early elementary age children? Yeah, I can jump in with this. So um, really developing this in infant um, is really going to look like those different things we kind of naturally do with our infants, like skin to skin contact, kind of wrapping um, an infant up in like a really tight blanket, being really closeness, uh, having that closeness to caregivers um, is another thing. Um, and as they continue to develop, it's going to be things like crawling and rolling. All of those milestones we think of are really developing this sense of proprioception and where my body is in, in space and really getting all that feedback through our joints, especially with like crawling. We talk about how important that is for our infants to be doing. Um, 
you know, and some of the children that might have some dysfunction in the system um, might be like looking at delayed milestones, especially with like movement-based things, um, or maybe like avoiding some of that contact I was just talking about. So avoiding, um, they don't like to be wrapped up in blankets, or they don't want the skin-to-skin contact, or they get distressed by some of those movement-based things. Um, so often we see this tied to vestibular as well, as Joanna mentioned that this is a really, these systems work really powerfully together, um, especially in the that infant and childhood um, stage. What are the signs of a child struggling with their proprioception? Sure. So um, some indications you might see are standing too close to others in line or constantly pushing or bumping into peers like too hard. Um, And that child might not even be aware that they're doing it or that they bumped into another child. You might see kiddos that are more like seeking more of it. So they might climb on top of shelves or desks. They might push in, push their body into other like people or objects. Um, They might have difficulty grading force. So they might break pencils or not use enough pressure when they're writing. So it's difficult to see their handwriting. Um, At gym class or like recess, they might have difficulty like throwing a ball. So, you know, they're trying to play catch with their friend and now first they're overthrowing and then they're underthrowing, right? So they're having difficulty grading that force of how much strength do I need in order to throw that ball and get that ball to the person I'm trying to throw it to. They might just seem unaware of their body um, as they're moving through space. They might just kind of, you might just watch them and be like, do they know, you know, like they're bumping into things, they're crashing. Like, do they have any idea kind of like where they are at in space? So they might just have some of that difficulty with that awareness piece. Does that kind of help clarify for some of our kiddos? Yes, it does. Kiddos. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I think another referral we will get is like fine motor challenges. Um, you know, we have people that say that they're pushing too hard or they're having difficulty like snipping forward with scissors or um, they're writing super light on the paper. Um, so those are some other ways that we'll see it sometimes come out as well um, as we get those referrals for fine motor actually. And then we look at the whole body and we're recognizing that they do have some proprioception difficulties and the way that it was just functionally presenting itself was through their fine motor challenges. Um, so then we'll We'll kind of work on that whole body system there as well. Um, another one is also toe walking. Um, so when you're toe walking, you're getting so much input through your joints then through that, through your toes and ankles and knees and um, really up the whole chain there. Um, so that's another one that we often will get referrals for um, either with occupational therapy or physical therapy is those toe walking kiddos as well that are really doing it because they're seeking out this extra input through their feet. So real quick, I want to go back to when you were talking about the children who tend to try and climb um, on on shelves or desks. Can you talk a little bit about how that can be supported in the classroom so that the children are getting that need met? I know for Cecilia and I, we've seen a lot of that happening in classrooms these days. um, And teachers don't necessarily know what's okay to do to help support that. Yeah. Yeah, I think... um very similar to our vestibular system. It's making sure we have a really good kind of um, place for them to get sensory input. So it's going to be things like doing heavy work activities, giving them deep pressure, um, using weighted objects, 
um, being kind of a teacher's helper and really giving them that input, but then also teaching them what's appropriate and what's not of like, I'm noticing our body needs to move or that you're seeking this, but here's what we can do instead. And this is safe for us to do, you know, climbing on the bookshelf is not a safe choice and just teaching the language around what's appropriate and what's not and how we can get that same input just in a different, safer way. Um, and just kind of redirecting from the unsafe activity to something that is going to give them the proprioceptive input that they're looking for, but in the way that is safe to do in the classroom. So can you talk a little bit more about heavy work and what that might look like, um, whether in a preschool classroom or that early elementary age? Sure. Um, so that heavy work again is the kind of that component that activates our proprioceptive system. So that's really looking for a lot of feedback through our muscles and our joints. Um, and how do we work our muscles is by doing, you know, lifting heavy weights, right? That's how you build muscle. So that's kind of what we're looking, we're aiming for here is doing activities that are really going to activate our muscles and our joints and really activate that proprioceptive system. So as Kirsten kind of mentioned, you know, carrying heavy objects. So one thing that I love to recommend is if a child, especially with like our preschool, maybe kindergarten, early elementary kid age, they're not necessarily going to school with a bunch of books in their bag for school related tasks. Um, but sometimes I'll recommend like, let's put a bunch of books from home, not like academic books, just like regular, you know, reading books in their backpack. So it's a nice kind of resistive opportunity for them. And then they can um, carry that backpack around while they're transitioning through classrooms or from classroom to classroom or in the hallway. So that is a heavy weighted bag. And now they're having to really kind of work their muscles and their joints. And they're getting a lot of that heavy work and activating their proprioceptive system a bunch. Um, that's one I love to recommend just, especially during those transition times. Um, you can also have like a, um, there's lots of different ways you can do it, but I've also recommended kind of doing a DIY project for like a preschool classroom where you um, add some like rice or beans or something that's a little bit heavier to a, um, to a stuffed animal. And that can be kind of like the heavy object in the classroom. So you can ask a student to, hey, can you pick up that, you know, can you pick up that animal and bring it to circle time with you? Um, then he can sit on your lap. So you're adding that deep pressure component because he's having like a nice weighted object on his lap. Um, kind of just being creative in those ways. Um, I'll often recommend kids are like the, you have one student that like opens the door all the time and holds that door open for all of the kids as they're going through the classroom, um, or as they're exiting a classroom or entering a classroom, right? So you're pushing the door open, you're holding it open. You're using all of your muscles and your joints with your arms and your legs and activating that system in order to give yourself, you know, some more of that heavy work opportunity. So just kind of finding creative ways, I think, um, to incorporate that. Um, what else do I want to say? Kirsten, do you have anything else you want to throw in there? Um yeah, I think some more things you can do are things like wall push-ups, chair dips, um, animal walks are a great one to do like up and down a hallway or transitioning from one place to another. Um, so things like bear crawls, crab walking, frog hopping, those are great because those are going to activate all those muscles and joints there. Um, using ankle weights, again, like weighted things, typically we, we do want to check in with an OT, if you have one at your school, um, just to see on the poundage and things like that, and just making sure there's no reason they shouldn't be using anything weighted. Um, and then also doing things like heavy work for the hands, because sometimes it's just not a good time to be doing movement-based activities. So things like 
TheraPutty, Play-Doh, squishing a bug, doing Legos, um, using a stress ball. So getting those hands working can also be a great way to get in that heavy work. Um, You can also explore heavy work in a different way with like your mouth, like using a chewy tube or things like that can also be um, a helpful way to get in that heavy work in a different way if we're not available to move in that moment. Just thinking about there's kind of been a uptick in use of weighted blankets at home. How can families make sure that they're safely using those weighted blankets that have become very popular and available at any store? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and again, you know, that type of equipment, it is kind of available for everyone these days, but I do often recommend checking in with an OT just because like anything weighted, we want to make sure that a child can be safe with. But the general rule is no more than 10% of a child's body weight. Um, so that's a good like kind of mark right there. I would say um, for all our like really little guys, like preschool age, probably no more than like a three pound to maybe five pound weighted blanket. Um, and it can kind of go up from there. I That would be my general recommendation for anybody in the classroom. I have worked with kids who have who are strong and able to you know, lift a very heavy, more than 10% amount of their, of their, you know, weighted blanket, that's more than 10% of their body weight. Um, because some kids really just need that extra deep pressure and like weight. Um, but as a general rule, absolutely no more than 10% of a child's body weight, um, just for safety. We want them to be able to remove a weighted blanket from them if they need to, um, and, you know, kick it off, push it off easily just for safety reasons. So, We've talked a little bit about what this looks like. Have we talked, just pausing for a second, have we talked about hyper and hypo yet? No. Okay. So can you tell us what teachers and families can do for children who have hyper and hyposensitivity related to proprioception? Sure. Um, so this is kind of an interesting one. So in one of the um, courses that I have taken, um she was like the woman who taught the course was just like this guru sensory processing OT who's been around working for like 40 something plus years um, that was teaching this course. And she, her kind of response was like, she doesn't know that she's ever seen anybody that's hyper responsive to proprioception. And that's kind of what Kirsten and I have seen as well. Like we have yet to see somebody that is hyper responsive to proprioception. We've seen it kind of, sometimes people will think like it's we've seen it more in relation to like a vestibular system challenge or something like that. So I'm not, I don't want to say it doesn't exist, but it's just something that we haven't seen clinically. Um, and then our, um, our hypo responsive kids are generally ones that are like bumping, crashing, banging, and just kind of like unaware of their body. Um, the good news is, is that whether a kiddo is hypo responsive, hyper responsive or hypo responsive, um, we just recommend really honing in and using all of those heavy work activities that we've talked about. So doing a lot of activities to bring, um, you know, a lot of resistance activities, heavy uh, weighted activities to bring more of that awareness, to their proprioceptive system to provide more of that, that proprioceptive input to the body. Um, so even if we're not quite, you know, even if we say that we've never seen somebody that's hyper responsive and they're out there providing all of those different movement um, opportunities that are like focusing on activating those muscles and those joints should be helpful for those kinds of kids as well. So are there any other strategies you can do at, or that families might be able to do at home that we haven't talked about yet? 
Um, I think a lot of things that we have discussed also are really great at home. Um, doing a lot of those deep pressure activities or heavy work things can really be done at home as well. Um, and similar to the vestibular sense, like some of these things are a little bit easier to do in the home, um, like obstacle courses and different things like that that you can manipulate in your environment. Um, as well as those extracurricular activities like gymnastics and dancing. Swimming is another great one because it's activating so many muscles and joints and you're also getting that deep pressure underneath the water at the same time. So even if you're not taking swim classes, maybe over the summertime you go to a pool or something like that is a really great way um, to work on the system at home as well. Yeah, one thing I think that I was just going to add that I don't think we mentioned before um, is that it can be helpful for some of our kiddos that really need a lot of heavy work to use. We did talk about weighted blankets, but there are also like um, different types of garments, compression garments that they can wear. Um, and those can be really helpful, like a, a SPIO compression or a SPIO vest or um, a smart knit is another one. But once again, whenever we're recommending any kind of like garment that's going to be worn on the body, I would definitely kind of just touch base with an OT if possible. Um, but those can be super helpful things as well. Um, something else that I like to do with some of my kids at home is kind of like let's make you into a burrito or let's make you into a sand into a sandwich. Right. So the burrito rolling them up into like a tight rolling them up in a blanket. So, um, wrapping that blanket tightly around their body. So they're like a little burrito or, um, making a sandwich. So you have like one cushion on the ground, you put the kid, the kid is kind of the meat of the sandwich and then that, that pillow on top. So providing a lot of that kind of deep pressure input can be helpful for some of these kiddos as well. Um, so those are, I feel like are a couple activities that are probably a little bit more suited for home versus more of that classroom environment. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us about the proprioceptive system before we wrap up today? One thing that we mentioned earlier, but just keeping in mind that it's very much tied together with our vestibular system and kind of our touch system at the same time, um, and that they work very closely together. So especially for those like infants and younger kiddos, um, typically we're working on both of these senses together in conjunction with one another, and they kind of play off of one another. So we're typically working on both the vestibular system and the proprioceptive system at the same time. So I think that's a really big thing to keep in mind. You know, we want to see our kids moving, um, you know, again, similar to the vestibular system as we want to see them moving. We don't want to see that those kiddos that are sitting still and not moving enough or the, you know, kiddos that are moving too much. We kind of want that even um, middle ground um, here of wanting to move, but um, not moving too much and just kind of noticing that's where we kind of want our kiddos to be there. Um, we want, we don't want them to be afraid of the movement based things. We want them to enjoy them. Well, thank you both again for coming and joining us um, on the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. Uh, we really enjoyed this three-part series, and we look forward to hopefully getting a chance to work with you again in the future. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out by emailing starnet at wiu.edu or submit a request by clicking on the Request Services tab on our homepage.